You're listening to the Fearless Futures podcast, where we unpack and interrogate mainstream methods, as well as alternative approaches we have developed and deployed for equity and inclusion, working in daring companies across sectors around the world. Each week, we will explore a new angle you won't want to miss. So stick around. I am Sable Lomax, pronouns are she and her, and I'm so, so very excited for today's episode. What is it? It is episode four, Radical Radical Communication with Chris Miller from Ben and Jerry. Just so you all know, back when Hannah and I, so Hannah is our CEO, Hannah Naima McClowski, when we were discussing season two and we realized we wanted to have, you know, we wanted to speak with folks in this space and who do this work at different companies and organizations. And we had like, there's the folks in your network and there's the folks that, you know, you admire, but you don't necessarily know. And just so you know, Chris, Ben and Jerry's was on the admire list for different reasons that we'll get into as the episode continues. But I want you to know on a personal level, I am so excited to have a chance to talk with you today. Fearless Futures is as a whole, but like I, Sable, the personal human being, am excited for the opportunity to chat with you. So it is midway through the day, Chris, before I read your bio, how has your day gone thus far? You know, it's getting better by the minute. I'm I'm excited to spend the next little bit of time talking about the, the work we try and do here at Ben & Jerry's. Thank you for those kind words and thanks for, for having me. Awesome. So, okay, let me jump in. I would love to say that I have an impeccable memory, but I do not. So for everyone listening and who will be listening later, I am indeed going to read Chris's bio. So Chris Miller is head of global activism at Ben and Jerry's, a unique position within the corporate world focused on advancing social justice through the day-to-day operations of an ice cream company. He leads a global team across nine countries responsible for development and execution of the company's issue advocacy campaigns that are rooted in its progressive values. Ben and Jerry's has a long history of running campaigns on issues as diverse as support for mandatory GMO labeling, marriage equality, voting rights, and the need to address systemic racism and white supremacy. So again, looking forward to this conversation. Before I jump in, head of global activism is just not a title that you hear. How did this role come to be? You know, uh, I stepped into the, I was, I was the first person to take this job about nine years ago. And, you know, as, as you know, Ben and Jerry's was founded about in 1978, so it's 44 years ago, by these two counterculture hippies, right? Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield. And, you know, Ben had dropped out of college and Jerry didn't get accepted to med- medical school. They were great friends and they decided to go into business together and they kind of, knew that they liked to hang out together and they liked to eat. And so they sort of landed on ice cream. But, you know, they they sort of created this business model. They sort of rode Mm -hmm. the first wave of what we now would call sort of corporate social responsibility or a triple bottom line approach to business, right? But, But when Ben left the company, Nobody owned the the sort of advocacy and activism work at the company anymore. And, you know, it sort of resided a bit in the marketing team and a bit with, with some of the other members of the social mission team. 
It didn't have a home. So about nine years ago, the then CEO, Yostein Solheim, and the head of the social mission team, Rob Mahalik, sort of came up with the idea of, hey, let's bring someone in who's got some campaign experience to sort of take this work forward. And so, you know, my background was in policy and advocacy. I had, you know, I started my career working for Bernie Sanders. I spent half a dozen years at Greenpeace leading the the climate change campaign in the US. So my background was in policy and advocacy. So it is a unique job, right? There aren't a lot of companies that have people like me, you know, mm-hmm. that that used to work at Greenpeace and hung banners off of coal plants coming into a big, you know, for-profit global multinational company to kind of do this work. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is a unique role. And we've now built a whole team of people that that sort of have the similar kind of experience that I have doing this work in, as you suggested, nine countries around the world. I'm loving to hear that not just the discovery of we don't have someone to hold this, like this important role that was birthed with Ben and Jerry's no longer has a home, that it has grown because oftentimes in organizations, you know, it's a large task. And then it's like one or two people who were charged with carrying this task through. And it's automatically, it's like, we need a little bit more human resource mm-hmm. um, than that to, to really be able to navigate these issues. Okay. Thinking about your background, and this could be pre- Ben and Jerry. So this could be Greenpeace. I mean, this could be when you were in college, Chris, but what was kind of your like equity mic drop moment, if you will, where it kind of like introduced you to this world, if you will, of there's some language here to inclusion and equity and there's inequities in the world and so forth and so forth. Like if you had to go back, what would have been maybe not the first mic drop moment, but just one of them potentially? Stating the obvious, uh, Sable, I am a white man who grew up in the second whitest state in the in the country. Right, this here in Vermont. You know, this is an ongoing journey for me and for my colleagues, many of my colleagues at Ben and Jerry's who look a lot like me. I am fortunate to have a mother who was both progressive and politically active. You know, I, I have memories of, of being eight, nine years old and, and being a part of elections and supporting progressive candidates here in Vermont. So I, I had a very young and early interest in politics. I guess, you know, if I, if I were going to point to a mic drop moment more recently and think about my current role, every year at Ben and Jerry's, we have a a gathering of our franchisees. So we have about 600 scoop shops around the world, about 300 in the US. And every year, at least prior to COVID, we would gather as as a Ben & Jerry's family. And at every one of those meetings, our co-founders, Ben & Jerry, have an opportunity to address the group. And the meeting in January of 2015, had been uh, in the wake of Ferguson, mm. Trayvon Martin, and this, this sort of string of high-profile, captured on body cams yeah. and social yeah. media feeds, right, killing of black men by police officers. And Ben came to that meeting in January and he stepped onto the stage when he and Jerry addressed the group in a shirt 
that said, hands up, don't shoot. And he went on to talk about the values of Ben and Jerry's and, 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 Mm -hmm. and the values of Ben and Jerry's rooted in the concept of justice, economic, social, and racial justice. And that, and that if Ben and Jerry's was truly the company that it said that it was, and that held these values, that it was incumbent upon the company to take a stand uh, mm-hmm. in support of Black Lives and against police brutality and and the over-militarized policing of America. And it was a pretty, I'll be honest, you know, Sable, at that time, you know, January 2015, standing in front of a room of mostly white people, it it didn't it was not without some controversy. There were some members of the franchise community that actually got up and walked out of that meeting because they perceived Ben as being anti-cop or, but for me and for those of us who are charged with doing this work at the company, we walked out of that ballroom that, that afternoon and said, Ben's absolutely right. Like if we are this truly this company that, fancies itself as furthering the pursuit of of justice Mm -hmm. we have to get engaged in in these issues and so that started what has been you know now a seven-year kind of journey on this work and it started with pulling a bunch of people together thought leaders on these issues and and starting what became a learning journey but but ultimately doing what we do, which is using our platform and our privilege and our place within culture and our power and our media budgets to advance the strategies of people who are on the ground and impacted by systems and structures that perpetuate racism. And so as a long answer to your mic drop moment question. No, but honestly, it was the perfect answer because one of the things that we have admired from afar is how vocal and upfront and radical and honest that Ben and Jerry's has been on issues without trying to skirt around the issue um, or the topic, you know, at hand. And, you know, we don't like to put people on pedestals. We don't want to put like those of us who do this work, us at Fearless Futures and other organizations and firms who do this work, you never want to put yourself on a pedestal, but there is something to be said, especially in the corporate space, to take such a stand and a vocal stance and a loud stance the way that Ben and Jerry's does. And I have this written down because I didn't want to misquote, but you know, when I think about the press release, so this is a couple of years back with silence is not an option, where you state amongst many things, What happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis is the fruit born of toxic seeds planted on the shores of our country in Jamestown in 1619 when the first enslaved men and women arrived on this continent. CNN called it extraordinary, and I'm sure other um, news outputs and media companies said the same And when I think about the story you just told with the mic drop moment of Ben, you know, standing in front of all these people, having the shirt on and saying what he said, and then thinking of the up, I mean, you've all said numerous statements, you know, over the years, how do these statements come to be? Because there's so much happening in the world on any given day in any given country 
know, how do you all decide, okay, we're going to say something about this. And then this is what we're going to say. Like, what is that process at Ben and Jerry's? It's interesting, right? Because Mm -hmm. most companies don't have people like me sitting around talking (laughs) to, you know, talking to folks, working on these issues and and thinking about how, how do we use this platform? Right. And I Mm -hmm. think in that instance, we were certainly not alone, right? We saw what happened with with that officer's knee on, on George Floyd. The world saw it, right? And everybody wanted to say something, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody felt it. Every, you know, every, almost every corporation tried to do something, right? Some turned their, you know, Facebook icons, you Black know, dark, yeah. right? Like... I think one of the things that we can do at Ben and Jerry's is speak truth to power. We have a platform. We we talk to people and reach people that other advocacy organizations may not necessarily speak to, right? So we have this place in in popular culture and in the world as, you know, people for better or for worse and it's often for worse corporations have a lot of power and they do. and and so when we're at our best we're 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 bold we're 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 using language that is that is real that's authentic and that is unapologetic right i think what you saw in the wake of george floyd's murder around all these corporations that wanted to say something it wasn't the corporations actually that remained silent that were criticized. It was the corporations that tried to say something in a way that didn't offend anybody. Right. Like the NFL and their statement that didn't even use the word racism. Mm -hmm. And so I think for us words versus being bold and daring and direct and honest. And I think that's what we want to do. And we may not always get it right, but to your point, as a process, there's a relatively small team of us at Ben and Jerry's that manage this work. There's myself and and my, you know, a colleague of mine who who manages. I have this global role. My colleague looks after, does handles the kind of U.S. advocacy and activism, and then we have a core team of people on the marketing team who, you know, they really own the keys to the communications channels that we use. And it is this partnership between the marketing team that is the sort of execution piece and the 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 folks on my team that sort of manage. The, the sort of content. And, and I think, you know, on a piece like that, we sit down and start writing. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, the thing that we do do is we work with our outside partners and allies to ensure that we are echoing their frames and their messages and their mm-hmm. policy solutions. So you will, you will note that in addition to, to you know the the statement we call i think in that piece for four specific yeah pieces of policy or one three pieces of policy and one telling stop to uh, stopping you know trump stop fanning the flames of racism right but i think being very clear about what that was 
and being clear about the kinds of steps that we could take to address the root causes are important in those communications. And then we write it out. We share it with our friends to make sure we're not getting something wrong. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we work closely with the Advancement Project, with Color of Change, with the team at NAACP. We, We stay, you know, dream defenders. We stay connected to a broad network of activists and allies who do this work. And, and, and then we have the trust of the leadership at Ben and Jerry's that supports the work and gives us the latitude to do it. Because the truth is, I mean, let's be honest, many people who sit on the leadership team at Ben and Jerry's aren't necessarily the issue experts on this. They have enough trust in, in the team and the partners and the allies that we work with mm-hmm. that, you know, We'll get it right. And so, you know, something like that moves through a pretty quick approval process and we get it up and out. Mm -hmm. And yeah, in that instance, that was one of the most widely engaged, read, shared pieces of content that the company's ever had, which is remarkable and I think says a lot about this time and moment and the role of corporations that it says about anything we wrote, but it is fascinating. It was something that you said um, in there about different organizations and companies putting out something, but I'll just say delicately walking around that issue. And this, I mean, we're talking about the Black Lives, the re-energizing of the Black Lives Matter movement, if you will, but there's loads of other topics and issues where, you know, the silence of companies is heard loudly or the ways in which they go about their messaging, what would you say if you had a chance to, I'm thinking like you're Ben in this instance, only you're Chris, where you get to be, you get to be you. And there's a room full of individuals who obviously don't have your exact role, because like we said, it is a very unique role, but are, you know, they are responsible for DEI and their company and and whatever that context might be. Maybe they're not the global chief, but the messaging, what do we respond to? The press releases, you know, content creation, things of that sort. If you had an opportunity to share with them the importance of language and accuracy and precision and boldness when talking about these issues, whatever the topic may be, what would you say to them to encourage them to, if you're going to say something, let's not go this route. We should actually go this route. And here's why. You know, I think the first thing is you can't start from a place of not wanting to offend some people. You know, these issues are hard, right? They, they are deeply rooted and ingrained in our culture, in our society, in in our government right and 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 so we collectively if we are going to make progress on these issues if if we are ultimately going to be successful in deconstruct deconstructing these structures that perpetuate systemic racism in society we all have to deal with issues that are uncomfortable we have to be comfortable in this space of uncomfortableness right and so if if we're setting about on this work thinking it's not Mm going to be hard or it's 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 not going to be uncomfortable we're doomed to fail 
I would, I would urge people to embrace this space of uncomfortableness because mm-hmm. that's where, that's where the progress happens. And, and I think it's not easy and it's not hard and nobody likes their Facebook wall to blow up with people who disagree with you. What, what we have found and what we know to be true is that when you are real and authentic and you communicate the things that you believe, that will resonate with people. It doesn't mean everyone agrees with you, but I will tell you that, you know, I mean, a lot of people look at Ben and Jerry's and they say, well, you guys can do that because you're Ben and Jerry's, right? Mm. But if you step back for a second and think about it, we're a company that sells ice cream, right? Mm -hmm. Based in Burlington, Vermont, you know, founded by two hippie dudes. (laughs) It's sort of like, if we can do it, why can't anyone do it? I mean, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. there's no magic to, to why we can do it and others can't. The reason we do it is because we set about to do it. We choose right? to And do so it, I think, yeah. yeah, I think you can't start from a place of not wanting to be inoffensive. If you're inoffensive, you're likely irrelevant, right? That's one. Two, you have to build. I believe you are most effective if you build relationships with those who are impacted by the things that you are talking Seeing about up. and engaging yeah. on, right? So mm-hmm. so how do you center historically marginalized communities and the people that are impacted by these issues in your communications and in the work that you're doing? Because when when people push back at you, the worst place to be is to get it from both sides, right? Which is exactly what happened to the NFL, right? The people who are actually advocates for racial justice say that statement is pathetic and it doesn't even use the word racism. And then on the other hand, you have people telling the NFL to shut up and focus on football, right? So we're fine with the idea that people disagree with us. We want to stand with people who are advocates of racial justice. And so if we're bold, if we're clear, if we are are standing in solidarity and and we are aligning ourselves with their messaging and their frames, they ultimately will stand with us, right? And and that's so I think build a network of folks outside the four walls of your company who can help keep you honest and focused. Uh, mm. and 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 then the third bit is just to have a little bit of courage it's 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 Give counterintuitive to, yeah it's counterintuitive to think that if you if you say something that people don't agree with that it'll be all right i mean this company this little ice cream company started in a dilapidated gas station 3 quarters of a mile from where i'm sitting now is now a billion dollar company operating in almost 40 countries, right? Like we've proven that you can be bold and you can be true to the things you believe and still be wildly successful. Our, our biggest customer is Walmart. We sell more ice cream to, in Walmart than anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, in so many ways, we're so mainstream, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, you know, we've, we've kind of built this approach at Ben and Jerry's. And it's interesting because you said, and I, the way you started and you brought it up again in the middle as you were responding, this idea of you cannot go into this work 
or try to respond to something related to this word with the goal that everyone's going to be happy. And that's a um, refrain that we hear often because, you know, at Fearless, we do training education. It's like, but we need something for everyone and we need everyone to be okay. We don't want to upset anyone. And this idea of being uncomfortable makes, even the idea of being uncomfortable makes people extremely uncomfortable. And for us as educators and consultants, it's like, well, that's where the learning sits. When you are uncomfortable and you have to sit within that and really investigate, why am I feeling uncomfortable? What am I navigating here? Is it power? Is it my privilege? Is it my position within you know, this particular system? And this idea of not wanting to alienate those that we work with But there was something that you brought up in terms of like being multinational and Walmart being one of your largest, you know, clients, if you will. This idea of not wanting to alienate people within Ben & Jerry's, but also not wanting to alienate customers. That's something that we also hear. Would you say that the response is almost the same in terms of a product-based business saying we don't want to alienate our customer base by speaking up on, you know, women's rights or LGBTQIA plus rights, et cetera, et cetera. Would you say it'd be the same or slightly nuanced and different? I think it's a mistake. Let me flip it. I think as a way to answer your question, Ben had this insight many, many years ago. And we, we, we still, it's a quote we, we often uh, talk about it. And, Ben's insight was the strongest bonds that you can create with customers, with your consumers, is around a shared set of values, right? And so those are relationships that are much deeper than just a product transaction, right? And, And so, yes, there may be people who don't like our position on any of the issues that we take, but the flip side of that is... There are people who deeply love us for it, right? And that those, and it goes without saying, this is not why we do it. This is not why I do the work that I do. But I will tell you that 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 people who know that we do this work and who support it are much more loyal as consumers. They don't buy Haagen-Dazs when it's on sale because they support the work that we're doing at Ben & Jerry's, right? And so so if you are unwilling to take a position because you feel it may offend some consumers, you're also missing the flip side of that, which mm-hmm. is creating these incredibly lasting bonds. So if you think about other companies that are kind of known for this kind of stuff, companies like Patagonia, Right. Companies like Lush. Right. Companies like, you know, to some degree Nike. Right. And and some of the stuff they've done. Or even if you want to flip it to the other side of the, uh, you know, the political spectrum, Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby. Right. Like those are all companies that have built strong, successful businesses Mm -hmm. by telling you what they believe in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's an antiquated model and it's old school to suggest that you have to be inoffensive to everybody. I I think, I think that's an old way of thinking. And I think citizens and consumers expectations are changing, right? So you think about what happened last year in Georgia, right? In the wake of the, the 2020 election and the voter suppression laws passed in Georgia, right? And, and you saw Coca-Cola and Delta Airlines get pulled right smack dab into the middle of that fight, right? So these are companies that have committed 
to DEI inside their company, right? And, you know, they're, they're doing whatever they're doing to promote and advance equity within their companies. And when there is an attack fundamentally on, on the rights of people of color in, in their home states, at first they didn't want to take a position, but they ultimately got dragged into it, right? So, so for mm-hmm. so many companies, whether you want to or not, yeah. there is increasingly going to be pull from outside your company by consumers and campaigners and inside your company by employees to have a point of view on the things you say you care about. And so I think it's increasingly going to be hard for companies to stay on the sideline on these issues. Listening to you say that just now, you know, I know that it's no shock to you and you've probably have heard it before. Maybe not at Ben and Jerry specifically, but, you know, colleagues, former colleagues, coworkers, just friends in different places, this idea of I might really want to take a stance against injustice. So we could be talking about um rights for disabled folks, for trans folks, like, you know, whatever it might be, there's so much happening right now, particularly with trans children in the U.S. And then in the last three weeks, it seems it's been significant uptick with bills and passed in Texas or on the floor for voting in Texas and in Georgia, not Georgia, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always something in this idea that, okay, we want to take a stand and challenge this injustice. We rec- First, we recognize that it's injustice. It's not right, X, Y, Z. But the idea that there's a risk to take. I can see and I've heard companies, and well, not the actual company, but you know, folks within it really discussing what is this risk and how big, like let's assess this, you know, the damage potentially. And what do you say to that? And the, and the reason why I'm, I'm connecting all these dots, because I think about the decision that was made from you all to in, back in, oh my God, it's almost been a year, July of 2021 to no longer sell your ice cream within, you know, occupied Palestine. Like that's a risk considering the history with Israel and Palestine, how do you all weigh that risk? Does it even feel like anything has to be weighed um, based on just the values that you all were birthed with and you clearly still uphold? It's a complicated question. I mean, the quick answer is my job is not to think about, you know, selling more ice cream. I genuinely believe that when we act in a way that is authentic, that's real, that's true to our values, and that is working with the progressive allies and activists that we work with, I think everything else sorts itself out. When we came out, I mean, we were probably one of the first national corporations to publicly come out in support of the Black Lives Matter movement back in 2016. I will tell Mm -hmm. you the phone literally rang off the hook at our corporate headquarters for three weeks with people screaming at us (laughs) saying we're terrorists, we're, you know, we hate cops, we're cop, you know, right? So like, as long as you're lined up internally around, this is what we do. This is not necessarily the easiest way to sell ice cream, but it's the most impactful way to sell ice cream. I think everyone understands that, that that's part of, of doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think now 
there is an approval process for everything we do that runs through the organization, right? That runs through the chief marketing officer and the CEO and the board for things that are particularly potentially controversial, right? And it is the CEO's job to to make sure that we remain profitable and that we, you know, you know, because at the end of the day, if we don't continue to grow the the business, we don't have the platform that we have, right? So, but but I think, you know, on the issue that you mentioned, I think we felt like we had to take that decision in order to align our operations with the things that we believed in the world. And that we understood that not everyone would agree. And we took the decision and the chips fall where they fall. And, you know, I, I will tell you again, you know, last year was the biggest year in the company's history. We, mm-hmm. you know, we did really well. The The, the brand is strong. Um, we're selling a lot of ice cream and, you know, hopefully, you know, using our platform to add some value to the world. And so I, I, I think added to that, there's lots of ice cream in the freezer right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, it, it's, it also is true that unfortunately, um, people stuck at home for long periods of time are stuck at home and ice cream is an affordable indulgence in a time of, you know, yes. Um, But, but I think, you know, to your point, like if, if, if you let that overtake you, you, you will never be authentic and you will never be impactful because you're worried about the fallout. And I think yeah. this only works when you can be real and authentic and bold and true to the things you believe. And and yeah. I think if you do that, you'll be fine. And when I think about the last question, this idea of like being almost getting comfortable being uncomfortable, not seeking to do this work to appease everyone and to make everyone happy. And there's this common thread that I just keep hearing from you with, once you're deeply and firmly rooted in your values, you're able to withstand the risks, if you will, because, you know, you mentioned with the press release in 2016 that phone is off the hook because they're saying you're anti-cop, cop killer. I mean, all the common phrasing that we hear uh, in framing that we hear when you go for racial justice or racial equity. And then I can imagine, and I and I saw this myself, with the, de- the decision last summer in 2021, being accused of being anti-Semitic. I can imagine when pieces have come out in support of women's rights. It's, you know, just preparing yourself, no matter what the stance is and the issue is, there is going to be some fallout or fallback um, let the chips fall where they fall, as you said. But if you're rooted in, if your roots are firm and strong, just like these systems that we're trying to disrupt um, and, and unroot, if you will, then you can you can handle that. And not that it makes this space more the easy to navigate. It's just being prepared for this is not a new bouquet of roses every day. My gosh. When you're working on these pieces, these these pieces internally, so you and your colleagues, I know you said you have one team member who works on U.S. stuff. I can imagine you have 
you know, based on your team being globally, there might be some that you go to for like, you know, APAC or Latin America and so forth. What's this collaboration like? Do you, do you all just start free flowing in a Google document? Is it like exactly I write right. my draft, you send me your, like, well, just what's this process like? Someone t- typically takes a stab at, at a first draft on these things. Uh, because of my role, it's often me that takes the first draft, but it's exactly right. We, we work through Google Docs. I think, you know, the key is not to have too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you want to have some, some, some different perspectives, but, yeah. but you also, you can't write by committee, right? Like you, you, you'll, you, you'll never and, happen. <laughs> and, and so, you know, what happens, I think at so many companies and brands is first, it doesn't start with somebody like me. It starts with often somebody either on a marketing team or at a, at a marketing agency, right? So it starts in a marketing lens, which is always a watch out in my mind. Um, you know, and then it goes through 64 layers of approval that often includes a legal review. And, and that's not true for us. There's a core team typically of, I would say three to four people that work on a piece like you referenced earlier. And that goes up to a couple of members of the leadership team and the CEO for a review. More often than not, there is very little sort of editing or wordsmithing at that level and we're done. And, you know, I mean, there's a bit of an info if something's likely to generate some controversy or we think it has the potential to, we'll notify the the consumer care line. Cause most of the time they're taking calls from people who didn't get enough cookie dough in their ice cream or got too much cookie dough in their ice cream. So we give them a heads up. We, we prepare them for that. So there's a little bit of internal inform, but, but keeping that team tight is the key to getting this right. Tight team connected to advocates outside the company that can validate we're we're headed in the right direction. There was something in there because I can definitely see how starting something from marketing, um, whether it's internal marketing or external marketing um, service providers, that then finds its way into legal the daringness, the boldness is usually stripped away just by yeah. nature of how that runs. <laughs> totally. The edges, the, the more levels of like approval and, and engagement that something like that goes through, the more the edges get sort of worn, right? Just mm-hmm. because everybody's got a point of view on something. And I think, I, you know, the, by starting with somebody who has some, you know, when I don't pretend to be by any stretch of the imagination, an expert on these issues, I know people who are, but, and I, I don't mean this in any way disrespectfully of my colleagues in marketing, I couldn't do this work without them. Absolutely. But, but they're even further removed from these issues, right? Their, mm-hmm. their job is to be smart people who sell ice cream. And, and, and so the magic is we use the same tools that we use to convince people to buy chocolate fudge brownie, we use those same tools and techniques to sell the idea that, you know, racism is a function of systems and structures, not just individuals, right? And that climate change is an existential threat to humanity. So that's the idea. But but you got to kind of, you want someone who has some issue expertise and is connected to those who really have the expertise to, to really be the owner of the of of the content and i think you know look there there are 
there are very strong forces that have an interest in perpetuating the status quo, right? And so going back to this idea of being inoffensive or not wanting to be uncomfortable, if, if you're going to truly be a part of this work, it requires upending the status quo. And yeah. that's going to make some folks uncomfortable unhappy angry and uncomfortable. That's will. right. Yeah. But I mean, that's the work, right? I mean, we're yeah. not, we're, and so I think we have the ability to do it at Ben and Jerry's and, and I don't, and it, it is also hard, right? I mean, it, it, there are people in the company that like our consumer Caroline or even people who work in our scoop shops who are sometimes the target of people who disagree with us. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, it isn't easy, but I think no, people understand not. that it's important. Yeah, I and I that thread it just keeps like pulling through this, and it's not even an idea. It's I think it's safe to call it a fact or reality mm. that dismantling Islamophobia is not an easy, fun going process. That's full of you know lovely beach walks and whatever your favorite food might be to eat. Like it does require sometimes for you to put on a shield and recognize like, what are you fighting for here? You're fighting for human rights. You're fighting for humanity. That fight might not be literally physical folks, just to be clear here, but you know, those who wish to uphold that status quo, they, they are equally standing firm, you know, and, there's something to be said about being prepared for what does it look like to stand up for, you know, Jewish folks, for Muslim folks, disabled folks, Muslim disabled folks, and so forth, and so forth. Political positions, you take them. It's something that Ben and Jerry's does. And as we have heard from Chris, does it boldly and and I'll I'll throw in there with with pride. Um honestly, Chris, it has been a pleasure talking with you. I can hear your your passion, your dedication, but you know, all throughout, it's like these are clearly not just Ben and Jerry's values. The you can hear that these are yours as well, and it and it shows up in the work that you do. 